Welcome to the Family Man Tactical Podcast. I'm your host, Chris. We're coming to you every week to discuss topics for family protectors. We're about creating community for tactical dads and moms, doing the work to become better protectors and providers, and being force multipliers for good. So come on in, sit back, relax, and let's have some fun. All right, welcome back to another episode, Family Man Tactical Show. So this week we're going to talk about solar power during crap hits the fan and how to get started, essentially. So before we do that, you know, I always give a little update, let you guys know how I'm doing, uh, what's been going on in my world, and all that kind of stuff. So, <clears throat> excuse me, um, I've I've been just going nuts here um, in my personal life. With my main gig, my family, um, home updates, um, yard updates, the outdoors, the indoors, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then still trying to, you know, uh, have relationships outside of my family and stuff like that, which has been hard. Um, so, nevertheless, still got this uh, Family Man Tactical brand um, that I'm really passionate about. It's a labor of love, really. But, um, you know, I've been having to sacrifice some of the time and energy that goes into that because I've got too many irons in the fire. Maybe you can relate. Um, so one way I'm working on that um, is, one, focus on the wins. I was just talking to a good friend over the weekend about this. But um, essentially, you know, you got to focus on when you're over, over your head, I think, or you're just stretched a little too thin. You got to focus on and keep remembering the wins that you're making. So, uh, for instance, I've got a metric ton of stuff done uh, for home improvement, at least outside the home. Um, we've got plans to to do stuff inside the home, just updates, um, keeping stuff, um, you know, just done, right? All the home projects, but um, that stuff, spending time with the kids. Right. Spending time solving issues and teaching little ones how to be good people. Right. And and all that kind of stuff and spending time with uh, your spouse and and oh, by the way, working, you know, 50, 60 hours a week in your main gig and all that kind of stuff. So it all kinds of kind of adds up. And, and sometimes I'm not as uh, consistent, but I think if you've listened to this podcast long enough, it's something I regularly talk about because I know all the men out there. And if we have some women that are listening to, you know, consistency, there's just, if you live a life where you're, you're part of a family, you've got people involved in your life, you know, um, and you're anybody that somebody wants to be around, you've got commitments, you know, people are depending on you. Um, you're working with other people, um, uh, for, for mutual goals and all that kind of stuff. So anyway, it adds up and, uh, here we are. I'm not as consistent as I'd like to be, but I'm back at it. And I told y'all we would be having some guests on, which is cool. Um, two, uh, two folks that I've mentioned, two different brands that I've mentioned in the last episode, uh, we're going to be scheduling some time on, um, in June, because uh, that's right around the corner for us with with those guys. So that's cool. And they've got some credentials that I don't. Um, and that was the whole point of this brand is, you know, Chris's thoughts are wonderful, right? <laughs> now, um, but the reality is, you know, there's so many different subject matter experts out there. We want to bring them on, get their point of view, bleed them dry of all their information, right? <laughs> and take it to better the lives of the people that depend on us. All right. So anyway, let's get into it. So I've been working with solar power during, um, for, for use during crap hits a fan. And I've been kind of slowly getting into it. One, because I mentioned I have so many irons in the fire. I'm always doing something. Um, I nerd out on this stuff a bit, but I just haven't had the time. So I've gotten into this over the last two years, two, three years, learning more and more about solar power generation and electricity in general. So in my family, we have electricians and 
all that kind of stuff, but I'm not one of them. So anytime I have a, a question on uh, electrical theory and all that kind of stuff, I have people I can reach out to. But solar power is this whole kind of interesting animal in that, you know, um, it's the, the technology is getting better and better and better as far as um, solar generation, uh, power generation, and storage with batteries and all that kind of stuff. So anyway, I've done quite a bit of research. And uh, yeah, I let's get into it because I want to share some thoughts with you, um, get some ideas going, and maybe uh, cause a little thought provocation. Ooh, big words. Uh, so definitely um definitely something i've been into specifically for crap hits a fan and i i don't think it's necessary to kind of introduce all the theory as to you know and, and reasons why uh solar generation is you know power generation is a good idea for crap hits a fan um but you know we'll hit a couple items here um because i understand the audience might have varying uh, levels of preparedness experience and um, I just want to make sure we start at a baseline right so gas generators right um, they operate off of uh, gasoline or you know if you have one that offer uh, operates off of some other fuel whether it be propane etc there's there's a fuel there right and those generators usually kick out uh, a good amount of power um, to, to run a, depending on the size, a whole household, right? And then there's integrated home generators from like Generac and those are really cool. Um, and they, they can run off of natural gas and that's awesome. And, and you know, the, the integrated home generators are awesome because you're not out there filling up the fuel and you're not, um, you know, having to be concerned about where the generator is placed with respect to the carbon dioxide that, carbon monoxide, sorry, carbon monoxide that it's giving off and all that kind of stuff. That that stuff is already taken care of. And usually it's on the outside of the home there. So you you have that whole thing, right? But gas generators, which I have one, all my neighbors have one. If a, if a storm rolls through, you know, and knocks the power out for three days to, to a whole week, um, you know, you've got a bunch of people with generators sitting out in front of their garage and um, you know, running and you got to go fill them up and all that kind of stuff. But eventually, you know, if that were a protracted experience, right, there would be, those generators would get more and more quiet because people would run out of fuel. And if it's a collapse or crap hits a fan type environment, chances are most people don't store enough gasoline on their on their acreage, on their property or whatever, especially 80% of the U.S. that lives um, in urban or suburban areas, right? Um, and even if you live out in the rural areas, unless you're hooked up to a big, you know, you have a generator hooked up to a big uh, propane pig, you know, that might be a little bit different. But point being, it can get, it, it's a pain to fill up gas generators, right? And and so those are great solutions for three days, three days to a week um, when there's access to fuel, right? But you're dealing with the fumes and the noise, etc. Okay. So when you go into a crap hits a fan environment, you know, th theoretically, we're just talking in theory here, but it makes sense that maybe you don't want to be as loud because if you're loud, uh, with your generator, you're saying, hey, I have resources, right? The other thing is, um, you know, you probably just won't have access to um, a lot of gas. And you might want to keep that gasoline for the vehicles that you may have to leave the area in, right? Makes sense. So anyway, there is a bunch of reasons why gas generators are not necessarily a crap hits a fan long-term solution, right? That's all. Um, and again, I have a gas generator, not knocking those. I really wish I had an integrated home generator, but even those for crap hits the fan, we're assuming the gas company keeps natural gas flowing through those pipes, right? And in a collapse environment, that may not be the case. So even a Generac home generator might not be a, 
a long-term solution. Actually, probably won't, right? So are we to go back to the 1800s? Are we to just rely solely on, you know, uh, more primitive methods of preserving food, etc.? think those are all great things to learn and I'm not knocking it. I don't believe in putting all my eggs in one basket, right? So that's why I'm saying, hey, we should learn some of that. We should also maybe have a gas generator and we should know how to use solar, um, solar power or generate solar power and store that power and then know how to calculate and monitor that power usage. Now, when I first started getting into solar for, for Crap Hits the Fan, I understood that one, my, my current gas generator is heavy and it's hard to move around, right? Um, if I'm ever displaced, you know, I, I have to leave my home um, for whatever reason. Uh, let's just use, let's say I live in the part of a country where there's wildfires, right? And and I'm displaced and I only have a moment to grab certain things. And those things, let's say they're they're packed, they're always ready to go because I, I have my plan squared away. But me wrestling a generator into the back of one of our vehicles is is not gonna be a priority in that type of situation, right? Because it's heavy and I've got and it takes up a, a big amount of space, right? So again, just an example. Maybe you have a solution for that. I'm just saying, hey, mobility is a big thing um, with your solar setup. The other thing is a signature. Is it a huge signature that everybody can see, right? Meaning it's on top of your roof and, you know, everybody can see it and, and that sort of thing. And then, of course, like I mentioned before, the solar kind of takes care of the noise signature, not just the visual, but the, um, you know, a more mobile uh, solar unit um, can can not only take care of the visual signature um, and reducing that, but you're using something that's not generating any noise um, or nasty smell or anything like that. So that's kind of cool. And that's, again, that's why, not to belabor the point, but that's why I got into it. I've come across folks in kind of, I, I really wouldn't call them, I would call them theoretical preppers just because Everything they talk about is very dogmatic and as I say, everything, no, but a lot of things they talk about are dogmatic and sound theory based, meaning it's evident that they're not out practicing what they're talking about, right? Um, the folks that are really into homesteading and preparedness like that, um, they're not usually as dogmatic. They'll say this is a way to do something and not necessarily the way right? There's, there's several different ways to do this and they're very confident, but open-minded in the way they talk. Um, that's usually indicative in my mind of somebody that is actually practicing what they preach, um, for many reasons. Anyway, I've said this before, there's a lot of theory-based preppers out there that don't want to, in my mind, I don't think they want to worry about having to learn a new skill um, beyond, you know, purchasing, um, a bunch of bullets and a bunch of guns and, and figure they'll figure out the rest. Right. But the reality is our society operates with power. So to think that we're just going to take a step back in time and live in the 1800s when we don't do it now is akin to saying, um, I'm going to store a bunch of survival food that I don't currently eat and I will be just fine living off that survival food. And the reality is um, that's going to shock your body and uh, it's going to mess with your morale, right? So, you know, to use the analogy, most most food preppers, homesteaders will say, uh, store what you're used to eating. Um, it, you won't shock yourself and it won't have such a hit to your morale um, when things are going badly in the world, right? Well, the same thing goes. I don't think that we should plan on living in the 1800s with a lack of power um, when when our lives completely use power in every aspect. Um, am I thinking I'm going to be running my, <laughs> my air conditioning? Of course not. Um, it's just too much power consumption for what I need. But there are things like power for lights, 
right? Lighting is a huge thing. Um, and for, for many reasons, one, you have lights on your security tools, or you should a white light. Um, we use lighting for, you're going to need lighting in case somebody has a cut and it's dark out, right? Um, just can imagine knowing how to stitch somebody up, um, and not having any lighting to stitch somebody up in the dark, right? Working tools, powering, um, you know, maybe you have an electric chainsaw. Um, that's something, uh, cleaning water, preserving food, um, refrigeration isn't actually that big of a draw in comparison to, um, uh, the benefit. And we'll talk about more of that in a little bit. Um, but definitely helping regulate your body temperature in extreme cold environments and in extreme hot environments. There's low energy consumption ways of doing that, but it'd be nice if you had power, right? So that's what, that's the, just to kind of give you some background, that's what I'm looking at. And, um, you know, like I said, if, if you are into very primitive, um, ways of preserving food and getting around needing power and all that kind of stuff. I think that's cool. You know, candles are, you know, I, I mentioned lighting, uh, candles are, are awesome and all that kind of stuff. But again, I just don't think putting all one's eggs in one basket uh, is the right thing to do. Right. Um, but if that's you, that's awesome. And I'm not knocking you. Um, and you know, if you're, you're into really primitive, um, lifestyle and learning about all that kind of stuff shoot i'd love to have you on the show and learn more about it so no uh no ill feelings there i just really think for the vast majority of the people learning how to generate some power is akin to learning how to grow some some of your own food right okay so how do you get started i mean that's really the reason why you probably clicked on this show is how do you get started in solar and is it going to cost you an arm and a leg i will tell you right up front. Very easy to get into solar generation. Um, I can have you into it in solar power generation. <laughs> I can have you into it in two days. Um, and I'll tell you how. So one, it's not that expensive. Two, it's very easy to get um, little solar generator um, battery banks and um, start running some, some cool things off those. So one, I don't know how you all feel about this, but Amazon in this regard is your friend. Okay. Um, some people have some really bad heartburn over Amazon. Um, there's other stores out there that sell, um, affordable solar power stuff. If Amazon is not your thing, but for the sake of the audience that is cool with that, I'm going to put some links down in the show notes and it'll take you right to, um, just some small, solar power um, battery pack. So what it does is one generates solar power and then it stores it in a little battery bank that would be good for charging phones, charging um, FRS radios, those sort of things, right? Um, so that's the way you get started. Honestly, that is the first thing I did is I went and found a reliable um, seven and a half watt. And if you don't know what watts are, I'm going to be using some terminology through the show here. Again, this is just how you get started. I would say terminology. If there's what I would recommend doing is taking some notes, right? If there's something that doesn't make sense or whatever, you can always email me, but I would recommend you go to Google first because there's better subject matter experts on electricity, on solar power generation, etc. And it usually, Google is really good about bringing the most relevant stuff um, to the top um, with its al algorithms. So basically what I would do is first um, find some things that are low draw, like your cell, your cell phone is low draw. Um, your USB rechargeable flashlight is low draw. Um, it doesn't take a lot of power to start charging those things. And it's basically, if you can charge this via USB, it's low draw, low energy consumption. So I would get a solar generator um, panel, 30 watts or under, and the 30 watt panels, when you have them 
basically the 30 watts means that you'll get 30 watts an hour at 100% efficiency. And the reality is here, just a caveat, with any solar panel, you're probably not going to ever get 100% efficiency. You'll probably at best get, I like to assume 80% efficiency because it's all about how intense the sunlight is um, with its angle in the sky and then how accurately you have the solar panels um, pointed at the sun at the correct angle um, and and the sun moves relative to the sky obviously the sun's not moving we are but the position of the sun changes right so to to keep peak efficiency in theory those solar panels would have to continually shift throughout the day um, to get the best um, the best efficiency in solar generation so don't get upset if you have a, um, a wattage meter running off your solar panel, uh, your, your fold-up 30-watt solar panel, and you're only pulling 16 watts. It's okay. Don't get upset. It's just important to remember that you're generating power, <laughs> and you should have that plugged into a battery bank via USB. And I'm also going to put down in the show notes where you can get all of these things relatively cheap and in two days or better if you have Amazon Prime. A little USB wattage meter is really cool because it'll tell you you can plug it into um, the the little 30 watt solar panel that's fold up um, and run a cord out of that into your battery bank that you're storing that power for later you know consumption later. Um, you can charge certain types of batteries um, for or devices directly from the panel, but I like to store the power um, so that I don't have to use it right then and there. So maybe I have, um, you know, a, a 13,000 milliamp, um, and that's about 46 watt hours, right? And these, again, these are measurements that you should look up, terms that you should look up. Milliamps is usually something for smaller battery uh, capacity for like small battery banks, right? And then there's a conversion from milliamps to watt hours. And watt hours essentially is, you know, how many watts are consumed in an hour on this type of device, um, given a certain type of draw. So there's a conversion. You can look that up on Google. I'm not going to go through that now. Anyway, let's say I've, I've got my 30 watt um, fold up solar panel for 40, 50 bucks, and I've got my $10 wattage uh, meter, and that's plugged into my $40 uh, little battery bank. For about $100, I'm, I'm playing with solar energy generation, and I'm actually learning to calculate how much these devices um, will store. So my USB flashlight, I can look that up. I can look any of the name brand items like maybe you have a streamlight uh, flashlight that's USB powered maybe you have you know your your iPhone you can look up what the capacity is of all those batteries and you can start calculating in your head or on a spreadsheet I like to do it on a spreadsheet how long it's going to take you to recharge your flashlight how long it's going to take you to recharge your cell phone and what you're doing here is you're setting up communications, you're setting up um, your ability for observation and all sorts of other stuff. All these skills translate. That's how you get started. So for $100, and you know, some people might have that kind of money laying around, some people don't. Most of us can get our hands on $100 within a couple weeks, right? With, uh, with extra, you know, saving, not going out for a meal, etc. Um, you know, converting that beer money into, um, you know, money towards getting started with solar. So at the very least, by the end of the week, you could essentially be into solar power generation and it has an immediate effect on your preparedness level because these fold up uh, solar panels, the 30 watt ones, you can shove them in a backpack and the battery bank weighs next to nothing. You can shove it in the battery bank. And they make USB 5 watt draw, that's 5 watts an hour, 
uh, draw LED lights uh, for putting up in your living room. If the power was out for a week, you could, for five watts uh, an hour, for a couple hours a day, in the morning and at night before the sun came up and went um, and after the sunset, you could provide lighting for your family. Again, you can get that on, on Amazon really quickly. And I, I have that stuff. So I'm, I'm going to provide the links down there. Um, and I'll start giving some ideas of what you can do. That's where to start. I think the people who sit there and say, oh my gosh, I have to you know, buy a $30,000 setup and get all these units installed on my roof and all that kind of stuff to make an impact on my level of preparedness for energy generation. I think they're setting themselves up for fail. I think that's the same way of going into business saying, I've got to be competing with Elon Musk or uh, um, what's his name over at Amazon or, or whatever, you know, set some realistic goals is all I'm saying, right? So that's, that's how you get started. And that's how I got started. I started playing around with this stuff. One, um, two, I, I went and looked up all these terms. I learned and I wrote down, how do you calculate wattage? Um, how do you calculate your milliamps? Because those are the two measurements. And the difference between um, transfer watts and actual storage watts, meaning watt hours, whether it be um, in kilowatts or whether it be in watt hours. The other thing was, um, again, I kept seeing milliamps, right? And that's for smaller batteries is milliamps. So there's a conversion from watts to, to milliamps there. Um, understanding, you know, that I could calculate, um, you know, my watts if I knew my my voltage and my my amps um, in a in a given device. The other thing I did to get started is um, I bought some wattage meters. I kept mentioning that when I was talking about the the fold up solar. Um, they they make some really good. Um, they call them smart uh, watt meters, but and I'll, again I'll put those links in the show notes there, but. You can you can get one that will download an app right to your phone um, from the App Store, whether you run Android or Apple, and you can plug it into a device. For instance, um, I I wanted to know what the draw was, um, you know, for my uh, for my deep freeze, and I'll get more into that in a little bit. I was able to calculate what the average, you know, um, based on the the specifications on the side of my freezer. I was able to calculate, okay, I know that the average, you know, deep freeze runs for eight hours a day. Um, you know, okay, cool. And I know that, you know, it runs on these many amps um, with this much voltage. Okay, now I can start figuring this out. But again, that's an estimation. Um, and it's really good to have a wattage meter there because it'll tell you the exact draw that you're getting and this is where it gets cool is because eventually when you want to run those more powerful appliances, you'll need to know that for how much um, storage capacity for energy in your batteries, your big batteries that you're going to need. And also um, what kind of essentially solar array, um, your panels, how many of those you're going to need to replace the energy that it uses every day. So Again, it's it's a big um, it's a big big picture item, right? But I'm again, I'm just trying to show you. This is how you get started. Play play on the little micro scale, right? Start charging cell phones. Start charging USB batteries. Your weapon mounted lights. Can you recharge those? Um, Surefire came out with uh, rechargeable CR one two three batteries, one two three A batteries. Granted, they don't last as long as the standard. Um, one, two, three, a batteries that we've always had in our Surefire and, and uh, Streamlights. But whatever, you're recharging this and it's a good backup in case you ever run out of batteries, right? Um, so you can recharge those. The list goes on and on. There's, there's a lot of uh, lithium ion uh, rechargeable batteries and lighting and all sorts of stuff, communications, you name it. Um, and those are, those are really good. So yeah, have some fun. I mean, honestly, that's what it's about. The other thing is, um, you know, eventually you're going to get serious. You're going to, not that you're not getting, I think any action forward is serious, but if you, you want to really, you know, throttle up and start getting into, 
putting together a um, a system where you're you've got you know your your spreadsheets going so you know exactly um, what you want to power you've gone around and figured out and and got real realistic calculations or exact calculations on what the daily draw is uh, for the devices you want to power whether it be an internet router a deep freeze a mini fridge um, some lighting you name it so that's that's the big thing is when you start to put together at least i would um, you know get your watt meter get your usb watt meter as well so your 110 volt um, and again, I'll put links there in the show notes. Find out what your powered devices use. Figure it out. You have the tools now. You go get a, um, a USB watt meter and a 110 volt watt meter. You can figure out what theoretically anything in the house uses. Um, and that's cool. So I would record that all in a, an Excel sheet. Again, you can start doing that. Um, with a 30 watt fold up solar panel that I had mentioned, a little battery bank and uh, your cell phones and start doing that. So then again, the next step is just go out, go around the house, figure out in an emergency in a long-term emergency, what, what would you like to have? You know, you might not be able to run. Um, and this is, this is a sad reality of it. We're not at the point where we can generate easily um, and affordably enough electricity, at least where I live in the country, um, with the peak sunlight hours. Okay. The amount of electricity, I would have to have panels upon panels upon panels, right? Um, I think I had to, I figured it out just for fun. I, I would have to have 76, uh, 200 watt solar panels to generate what my home consumes or could consume in a day running my furnace the whole nine yards right so you might not be able to do that but what you can do is you can run a couple 12 volt heating blankets for a couple hours a day and learn how to better insulate your your home and your body right so you're not changing the temperature of the environment you're insulating um what matters and that's really more primitive uh, knowledge uh, folks in um, in in throughout history um, they weren't you know you could have a fire going and all that kind of stuff but even a fire in a fireplace wasn't extremely efficient um, it wasn't spreading the the heat out evenly and all that kind of stuff the the modern heating ducts and HVAC is really cool <laughs> when you think about it um, but they insulated their body right? The clothes they wore, uh, wool, all that kind of stuff. So you can get into that, but you can also run some heating blankets for when it's bitterly cold. On the flip side, you can start recording, okay, what does a 12 volt RV uh, fan, you know, what does that run? You know, maybe there's one, I don't have any experience with those um, desktop air conditioning units that run, you know, with cooled, they cool the water or something. I don't know. I get the science of it. I understand. Um, but I haven't played with those. Maybe those are a viable option. Maybe they're not. Um, but if you're ready to get serious, serious, I would, I would start making a list of those items, right? What can't you live without? What would be a bad idea to live without? Maybe you're not going to run your, um, 1.5 kilowatt a day refrigerator, but maybe you'll run your mini fridge that takes about 550, uh, watts. A day now a kilowatt just so you know because i just heard myself say that a kilowatt's a thousand watts right um so you know maybe you instead of using uh 1500 watts on your refrigerator a day you cut it down to okay we can get away with a mini fridge that uses a third of that um maybe you say well our deep freeze only uses what our mini fridge uses and I think it's worth it to have a freezer uh, where I can store meats and all sorts of food um, long-term. And that's cool. So maybe you've got those things written down there. And then, um, you know, all the other items that I had mentioned there. Um, and, and you say, okay, well, okay. Um, you know, I could see myself using about 
you know, 1800 watts a day, right? And you get the, get all those calculations down. Now you know how many solar panels given your place in the country, because there's, there's all sorts of charts about peak hours. And you should, again, Google that. Um, what are my peak sunlight hours in my region of the country? And it'll tell you. And what you can do is say, okay, if I have four panels, right, that are each 200 watts a panel, that's in theory 800 watts that I could generate during peak hours. So you take that and you know you're only going to get at max 80% efficiency, give or take, right? Multiply that by your peak hours a day in the summer, the mid-year, and the winter, and you'll get an average of how much uh, energy you can generate and you'll know how many panels you need. On the other side, it'll also tell you how much capacity you need. So if you can only generate, let's say 2000 watts of energy max with your panels, um, and you're only consuming about 1200 watts a day on the things that you want to, to power, does it make sense to have a big 4000 watt battery capacity? Yeah, with just that information, probably not. But just understand that, you know, you might be able to help community members out or something like that. So that's always a consideration. You'll you'll figure out what works best for you. I'm just saying, um, you know, capacity. I, I like to match my battery capacity with my big um, powered units to how much I can replace. Right. And I don't want a huge disparity if I can generate bunches of power, but I'm not storing, you know, I, I, I'm limited in my capacity. That doesn't make sense. And and then if I have these deep um, battery capacity stores, but I don't have the ability to generate um, enough power to replace that in a daily cycle, you know, that's not good either. So again, balance is good, I think. Um, and that's when I think you're ready to you know, once you've done all that thing, you, you know, you've got your spreadsheets down, you know what you want to run, you've come up with your ideas, you know, um, you know what you can't live without. You start sizing up an actual um, home backup system. And just so you know, what, what I'm saying for home backup is, you know, something that gives you at least 2000 watts, watt hours of energy. Um, in your ability to replace those 2000 watt hours um, or whatever you use in a day. So I'm, I'm just going to be straightforward with you. I found a company that um, has done very good with reviews. I'll share it with you in the notes. Um, and I, I purchased my backup unit. Now what I have and what works for me might be too much for you or it might be completely inadequate. So just keep that in mind. I'm going to tell you the specs of what I'm getting and you know, that no way is a recommendation for you because I have no idea what your pattern of life and your energy consumption is. So keep that in the back of your mind. Um, but basically what I did is I went to the company Blue Eddy, um, that's B L U E T T I. And I don't even know if I'm pronouncing it right. Um, but the link will be down in the show notes. And so I figured out how much I wanted to generate. Um, there's two things here. One, you can go the route where you're buying lead acid batteries and storing those in a safe way outside. You, you really shouldn't you, sheltered outside, meaning like not in your home because anything could happen. You know, batteries do fail. They could cause uh, a fire, you know, in any of this stuff. Just understand there's a risk associated with any power generation. And you really should have this run by an electrician um, if you want to do everything correctly. Um, you should read all the warning labels. And I guess this is my caveat uh, safety warning, uh, just like firearm safety. Understand that using electricity generating electricity, even if it's uh, low power. I mean, shorts, uh, you could get a short and, and cause a fire and just in, in a lot of situations. So always make sure that your cords are in good shape, that your, your units are not damaged. Um, and I, I really recommend you get a professional set of eyes um, before you install a home 
um, backup system or you bring a huge system into your home, right? It's just good practice. Um, I can't say enough about that. Now I have those people in my life, um, so that's a, a non-issue for me. Now with that out of the way, you could go ahead and go traditional um, solar setup where and I say traditional, but a lot of people have had success with the Harbor Freight uh, Thunderbolt series. Um, and that's cool because you can get those uh, 35 amp hour, um, you know, 420 watt uh, lead acid batteries. Now, the thing with those is you're only supposed to deplete them halfway, no more, and then recharge them. So when it says 420 watt hours, um, you're only, you only should be using um, half that at best. So that's, you could calculate out how many of these lead acid batteries you need, um, create uh, a safe space for those to reside outside of your home. So there's no um, potentially bad fumes that are given off by those that, that hurt somebody in your home or they're in a safe spot outside of your home that if um, a short or a fire started that it wouldn't burn down your home right and you can have those hooked up to um, these solar panels you know and, and go that route that could be an easy way to add on over time so the thunderbolt series is only i think it's like 220 bucks 230 bucks but it comes with um a hundred watt panel and a charge controller um, and all sorts of stuff like that. Um, and then the, the batteries themselves are like 70 bucks a piece. So you could theoretically just kind of add on over time. That's one way to do it. Okay. Um, if, if cash is a issue and if you're not worried about being mobile, if you're sure that you're not going to easily have to move your solar setup, uh, for, for your crap hits the fan needs, um, then maybe that's a route to go. And so, okay, you do that. And, and, but either way, um, it's very important. If you go the Thunderbolt route um, and you're, you have to do all the connections yourself. And again, that's why I recommend um, you have an electrician look at how you might set that up uh, so that it's safe, right? Then there's another option. It's more expensive, and this is the route I went with, uh, Blue Eddy, and that the unit is um, all the connections and um, the inverter, everything's built into the unit, um, and the charge controller's built into the unit. You're good to go. All you have to do is plug in the solar panels to this unit, it charges it, and you're good to go. Um, and maybe I'm oversimplifying it there, but it's a much more mobile unit. And I think that's what my point is, really. Um, but again, it's really expensive. So for a 248-watt-hour system and 800, four 200-watt panels, which is 800 watts, um, I paid $3,800, right? But again, these, these panels fold up very quickly. Um, they're very easy to deploy and I can store that um, I can store that battery backup unit indoors um, with some sort of confidence in, in its safety. Again, always have a fire extinguisher nearby. Um, always have your electric uh, electricity plan run by an electrician uh, run past them, right? Um, but that's what I wanted because I understand in crap hits a fan that, I may be displaced. I might not be staying where I'm at currently. So um, that's really the, the last step there. And you might say, oh, gosh, I don't know when I'm going to be able to ever spend $3,800 on a unit like that. What I would recommend now, like if that's you because I've been in that spot, what I would do is start throwing 10 bucks a week. Or if you can't do that, throw five bucks a week. Look, over time, you're going to forget you're doing that, but you're just going to do it out of habit. And before you know it, um, you'll be able to, you'll be able to afford it. it. It's that simple. It's the same thing with, um, not having any food supplies, um, or food storage and just buying an extra can of food a week. And so you say, well, $5 a week is going to take a really long time to accumulate $3,800. I get that. The point is, anytime you have an extra set of change, you're going to say, well, I've got 20 extra dollars now, 
and I can throw it at that. Or my boss gave me a $500 bonus and we only need 300 of that. I'm putting 200 before you know it, it's going to add up. Um, so I guess that's my point. And that's how I do things that I'd like to afford. Um, so yeah, definitely ask yourself, does your unit need to be mobile, right? Um, can you go with a more traditional uh, lead, lead battery um, storage uh, spot for your energy? Or does it have to be uh, one of the more uh, modern technology type batteries with a built-in inverter? And all? You're gonna have to figure that out. And you're gonna have to learn. I mean, that's the biggest thing. I think that is the biggest thing that stops people is they go, oh, wow, there's so much I don't know. And then they never get started. Um, but I've learned all of this stuff through Google. I've run this stuff, um, my theory and my plan, um, past uh, the electricians in my family. And then once I'm done with that, I get the unit set up and I have somebody look at it again. It's that simple. Um, it just takes time learning, right? So there you have it. That's how you get started and that's how you get down the road. Um, there is a middle ground there where you can find, um, you know, maybe a 240, 250 uh, watt hour little portable unit. And that's cool too, because you can run a little bit more power off, off of stuff. What's going to limit you is, is um, how many, how many Watts you can run off of it at any one time. Right. Um, so I will put in the show notes, all the stuff I promised, how to get started, what to get yourself to start playing around with solar. I will put a middle of the road kind of portable unit um, that you can charge with solar panels. Um, but doesn't cost an arm and a leg, right? Is only about $200, but stores about 250 watt hours, right? And then, you know, um, I'll, uh, I'll give an example of my Blue Eddy uh, system that I'm using um, that's quite a bit more, that is expandable, that I can build on and, and keep, you know, multiplying. Um, again, I, I don't think that I'm going to dump you know, $20,000 into that system. I want to keep it reasonable because like you, I have a family to keep prepared. I have braces to pay for. Um, you know, my kids are playing sports and all that kind of stuff. You know, I have everyday expenses, so I'm limited to how much money I can dump into this, but I want a viable solution so that I can power everything we want to power, um, in an extended emergency and maybe even enough that I can help out my community members. So, um, parting thought on this whole, you know, 50 minute discussion here. I know it probably sounds like I'm all over the map and I'm throwing out a bunch of terms, uh, for those of you that may not know a lot about, um, this topic. Um, again, if anything's unclear, shoot me a note. We can chat. I can let you know uh, in more depth um, what my experience is and what I found out and, and why, right? Um, the other thing too is, you know, in preparedness circles, people say, well, you got to bring something to the table, right? Like a lot of people say, well, I'm, I'm really good with security and, and sh I'm a gun guy, right? And uh, the thing about preparedness is most people are gun people, at least sufficiently, right? We're not looking for somebody that can necessarily, you know, um, conduct raids and all that kind of stuff. We're just talking about people that know their way around firearms, can use them safely and have had some defensive training, right? Um, that's, that's good. Right. And I think if everybody across the board had that, um, you'd be generally okay. Right. Um, with some caveats, however, one of the things that is really easy to go out and get is some experience and skill sets in power generation. And you could be the person in your group that knows this stuff and you can learn it all in your spare time with Google and a few dollars thrown at Amazon. That's it. You can, you can use it by playing around, um, on Amazon with some inexpensive, uh, stuff, right? Battery bank, uh, solar panel, and a wattage uh, meter. And before you know it, you're going to come up with your own ideas 
you're going to come up with your own ideas and you'll be reaching out to me saying, Chris, I thought of something way better than you had mentioned. And, you know, I'm going to market it and, and you're going to become rich. The point is, um, there's things that we can go out and become experienced in and bring value to our community um, and our families. And this is so easy to do. You know, in 12 months, if you were doing this in your spare time, you'd know way more than I do. So anyway, I hope, I know this is a lot of nerdy stuff, but it gets me geeked when I know that I can keep some lighting on for my family. It gets me geeked when I know that I can power some heating blankets during the winter um, when uh, when my kids, when their little toes are frozen, you know, and stuff like that. Um, makes me feel good inside. And uh, I'm a bit of a nerd too. So I know a little bit more about me um, and uh, what gets me geeked and also kind of what I'm working on in the background when I'm not posting or running podcasts so consistently. I'm out there trying to better prepare my family. And I hope you are too. So, hey, I really appreciate the time. Again, um, it's just a matter of logistics, getting our, our guests hooked up to come on the show. Um, but hey, we're in it for the long haul here. So um, it's uh, it's one of those things like it'll happen when it happens. Uh, but the biggest thing is, as we go into Memorial Day weekend, um, I hope you and your family have some time to some downtime right? There's, there's commitments all over the place. I hope you all have some downtime with your family. Um, and, and we can all reflect on uh, the sacrifices that were made, um, for this interesting experiment in human history called the United States of America. Um, I think about this, uh, from time to time, I probably should think about it more. Um, but some huge sacrifices, uh, we're made a lot of folks paid uh, the ultimate price uh, for our freedoms. We're not a perfect country by any stretch of the imagination. Um, there's a lot of course correction um, that we've needed to do, but we were never intended to be perfect. The fact of the matter is uh, there are men and women um, in uniform willing to put their lives on the line um, so that we can sleep safe at night. And I'm not on my soapbox. I'm just letting you know that um, me and my family are going to take some time, enjoy the things um, this weekend that those who paid the ultimate price cannot in honor of them. So I wish you a safe and enjoyable Memorial Day weekend. And I'm so thankful you tuned in. And um, yeah, if anything stands out in the show, like always, man, drop me an email. I'll say hi. I'll respond back to you. I promise. Um, and check out those show notes. I went and did the research. Uh, to point you off in a good direction. And yeah, if you have any questions, let me know. God bless you. Talk to you soon.